Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. This is serious. Serious. We could make you delirious. Delirious. Just a bit outside. Just gotta stop, man. We keep having the same conversation. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 211. Hi! It is Thursday night, it is January the 8th, it is 2015. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Nice. Talking New York sports nice. What's going on? What's going on? I am one of your hosts, Steve... San Pietro, a.k.a. San Pete. I don't know what with the high voice and the low voice. I don't know what I'm doing. Sorry. I'm very tired. But in a good way. Like, I'm very ready to talk about sports. Here's the thing. And welcome to episode number 211. Here's the thing of our podcast. Here's the thing. Sometimes a lot of things are going on in your life. They're all over the place. They're scattered. Life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. This is the old John Lennon song, right? The the old John Lennon line. And it's really true. Like you're just, you're running around and there's your job and your kids maybe or your wife and your job and her job and everything's sort of crazy pants. And it's all great. It's all good. It's all life. You know, there's your friends and they're going through things. It's all life. It's all great. But... You have a day where it's just overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. And you can handle it and you get through it and you, you, you work your day and, and you 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 be there for the people you need to be there for and you, you do the best you can. And you get to the end of it and you just want to talk about sports. Why? Because that's what sports is. It's the opportunity to turn off your brain from things that actually matter. Because sports doesn't actually matter. Yeah, I know, there's a lot of money involved and passion and stuff. And I love my teams and I love sports desperately. But it doesn't actually matter. So talking about it and thinking about it and stuff is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a passion. It's not supposed to be work. It's not supposed to... Be one of the things in your life that brings you down. There is enough in your life that brings you down every day. Or there is enough, not even bring you down, there's enough that you have to deal with every day just to get through a day. That when you start talking about sports, it's supposed to be fun. 
supposed to be a distraction? Why is baseball the national pastime? Because people used to go to baseball games to escape their day. It was pastoral, and you would go out to the ballpark, and you would turn off your brain, and you would escape your day. And you didn't have to think about anything. You didn't have to think about your job or, or that report that's due or, or that you know your, your kids are driving you a little crazy and you love them but they're challenging or one of your friends is going through something and you were there for them all day the best you could possibly be. You didn't have to think about it. Just watch a ball game. Watch a bunch of exquisite athletes doing something that you can't do at the highest level. And that's what sports is supposed to be. And I'm having one of those days. Having one of those days. I think Cal is too. Having one of those days where I could not wait to do this show tonight to talk to two of my best friends. And of course, we're going to have Joe Caparoso from Turn on the Jets, who's fast becoming a friend. And this is his 13th appearance on the show. There's a nice gift basket for him in the green room, by the way. Um... And just talk about the Jets and, you know, the Jets, how important is this? Is it super important that they hire a general manager before a head coach? It's not. It's not that important. It's supposed to be interesting to talk about. It's not that important and fun and a distraction. So that's where I am. Let's uh, welcome in the co-host of the program. (laughs) Mr. Brian Calneva-Calpino. Caliente. I'm letting it play. I don't even care. I'm letting it play. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. How are you? All right. <laughs> All right. Sorry there. No, hey, listen, that was that was said perfectly. I, I think. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. I think I think you captured that very well. Did I go Doug Gottlieb on us there a little too much? No, I, uh, no, okay. no, no. You were not on a high horse. You were not on a soapbox. You said I, that very well. I tried not to be. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, no, that was that was good. That I, was good. I, uh, we have a uh, an awesome show tonight. Like this is going to be a lot of fun. We have uh, Joe Caparoso joining us in seconds. Literally, he's seconds away. Are you good? Everything else good? Happy New Year. How <laughs> about that? It's yeah, first show of the new year, 2015. What's up? Ooh. It's it, there's a lot going on. Let's it's get, it's been some year already. It's, it really has. Yeah, it really has for me, and I'm sure for everybody else. Hey, let's get right to uh, Joe Caparoso. He's the uh, the editor in chief, the founder, the creator. Boy, that's biblical. Um, <laughs> the creator with a capital C. Um, he also is uh, at the whistle. Uh, check him out there. Check him out at turnonthejets.com. He is a uh, he's been on a million times. He's our buddy now. There it is. There he is. He's getting married, Cal. 
I know. He's all grown up. Our boys get married. So proud of him. I am proud of him. We met the girl, too. We met the, We broke bread with the girl. Very nice. Very He's nice good girl. People. Good people. He's been doing unbelievable work at TurnOnTheJets.com. This is their busy season. <laughs> when you're yeah, right. when you're a Jets blog writer, the off season is your busy season. Like this is when like he has to tell his wife like Kramer, you know it's my busy season. <laughs> uh, hey Joe, how you guys doing tonight? How's we are going, Joe. We are good, man. We are uh, we are really looking forward to turning off our brains from the real world and talking about something that's completely inconsequential yet fun to talk about: uh, football. Endless lists of GM and head coach candidates that never, that never, the list always just seems to get longer and never shorter. That's correct. Well, look, let's jump right in. Because I know you're on a, you, you got limited time. Do you have to pick out like a flower arrangement or something tonight? Or I'm, on, I'm on full 24 7 wedding duty from now until May. I just have a list. I have a task list that my fiance put on our fridge and. Considering that I've been working extra hours after work tracking this GM and head coach search, and I, I'm trying to pick my battles here. Your list might not be as long as the Jet GM <laughs> head coach list. I, maybe not. That's true. There's just list, lists everywhere right now. So that's what the Jets offseason as the can. I'm just buried in lists. I feel like I feel like asking you before we get into the Jets coordinators, who's your coordinator? You got a coordinator? Did you hire somebody? Did you did you, no, did you hire no, no. We, did you hire Foreign Carry to come in and or is it Corn Ferry? I get Corn that. Ferry. Corn Ferry. Did you <laughs> hire them to come in and we didn't pay any outside uh, outside consulting services to right. pay them millions of dollars to do whatever they do with that money and consult us on our decision. We're, we're going to make it an in-house decision. We didn't even take on any informal former GM consultants. It's just it's just going to be a, a two-person operation here at the planning. Right, the great Joe, because Joe Casterly and Wolf are great with weddings, also. That's right. If you need them, the great thing That's is what, uh, Cal, Cal and I could form Cal PJ and I could form like the advisory committee for weddings. So like you could definitely call us in here if at some point you wanted to interview wedding coordinators. I think you should. I think you should call us in, have us sit in on the interview. PJ is a little like glad, like he'll just kind of sit there and. You know he's 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 more of like a business guy, but I, although music wise you can't do any worse you, you know you can't do any better than the bishop because he he should All be right. consulted about your music choices. All right, that's well, what's wait, up. Hey, you know, we, we, there's still time to make some last second tweaks and adjustments. <laughs> that's right. That's what it's all about, Joe. It's a big party with good music and booze. Okay. Um, so let's get right in. Huge news tonight, Joe. What do you make of uh, the now? <laughs> We've gotten word on how to say his name. Cal, you want to take a shot at it? <laughs> Ma Cagnan. McCagnan, right. Ma I think I learned that from Joe. Ma Cagnan. I'm going to say once McCagnan, but from now on, he's just going to be Mac going forward. And if he gets hired, yeah. he'll be Mac for his entire duration here. That, that's that's it. I can't, <laughs> we can't be spending, if he gets hired, all these years trying to pronounce and mispronounce McCagna. It's just going to be Mac. Right. He just, I was calling him Macca, like, even before I heard those. It was just Macca. Just Macca, you know, McCagnan, McCognan. McCainan. What do you it's, make of It's really a name it? that lends itself to being misspelled frequently on Twitter and mispronounced. Um, he's an interesting guy. He's a guy that was, was in the mix, actually, in 2012 and ended up hiring Idzik. And obviously their first candidate this year was back for his second interview and 
even when we found out that Idzik was fired, he, he was kind of one of the first names that was kicked around by a lot of people. He, he's a name that you see a lot of those, you know, future GM candidate lists. And he has a, like all of the candidates, has a, a long history in personnel and scouting, no kind of, you know, numbers and a quote-unquote accounting background that everyone always wanted to criticize Tannenbaum and then Idzik about. Really, the Jets have been very strict and only getting guys from the scouting and personnel sides of thing and things. And he spent a lot of time doing that in Houston. Obviously, was originally hired by Cashley, came up under Cashley, and the the common line of thinking is that Cashley is kind of driving him as a candidate. And when they brought him in for an interview, actually they had both just interviewing because Cashley already knew him so well, and I guess you know figured he may not be that impartial in the process. So I wasn't overly stunned to hear him come back for a second interview. It's with all the guys that I think are in consideration right now, I think all their resumes are relatively comparable. It's hard to really split hairs on any of them because the reality is that, and Connor made a good point of saying this in our podcast last night, you don't really know exactly what all these guys are doing or who is involved with what picks. It varies organization to organization. So, you can look at how the Texans have drafted in recent years and say, hey, they nailed the Watt pick. Uh, you know, they did well with Clover Quinn. They got DeAndre Hopkins, but they've been a little D-line heavy. They, you know, they didn't obviously miss on a quarterback when they took Carr. They've had some misses here and there, but you don't know what picks he was more involved in, what picks he was less involved in. And that goes the same for every candidate. I think right now all of them seem to have comparable resumes they all seem to have enough kind of positive buzz out there around them where it's going to be hard to be overly excited or overly angry. If if it's Mac, if it ends up being Robinson who's coming in for his first interview, if they even bring a guy like Mueller or Greer back for a second interview. And I, I do think it will probably be one of those four. And I would guess the decision is probably made. I'd be shocked if it, if it wasn't made within the next five to seven days. I, I feel like this process is going to start getting ready to wind down especially now the Bears have named their GM. And, you know, I think some of these hiring is going to start falling into place. Yeah, totally. I, Joe, you made a, a ton of good points there. I want to take a couple of things apart. But before I do, I want to ask an overall question. And you kind of alluded to it in, this, uh, in, in, in the sense of the net that they are casting, right? So give me your quick feeling on how you feel this search is going in comparison to the search in 2012, which was much maligned, much criticized. This search has been criticized as well, Joe, but I feel like you, you – I, I personally feel like you can't take this search apart because they are getting candidates that meet the deficiencies uh, that apparently John Itzik had and because they have football guys who know more about football than we'll forget. Um, leading the search. How do you feel overall that Woody is? And, you know, we hear from Boomer Siason this morning about Frank Reich's interview, where Frank Reich said, Woody is in it, he's and doing a hell of a job, and doing, you know, he's in the interviews, he's present, he asks great questions, and he's doing a hell of a job. How do you feel overall the search is going? Because I feel kind of better than I did. Yeah, I think I think it's fair and it's safe to say that Jet fans should probably feel a little better this time around. I think last time the final two candidates were really Idzik and I believe it was uh, Omar Khan from the Steelers who had a background yeah. very similar to Idzik. He contracts kind of more on the numbers side of things, at least based on his resume. And we, we haven't seen that this year. And that's not to say that a guy with that background can't 
necessarily be a great GM, but, you know, obviously it didn't work out for the Jets last time. And they're trying a different approach. And, it, you know, again, it, when he went out, he didn't pay a consulting firm. He went and got guys in Wolf and Casserly who have, you know, experience in the NFL who are quote-unquote football guys, and he's been there. And he's, you know, been engaged throughout all these interviews, which is what you want to hear. And, again, the Jets have put in a request to interview just about everyone that logically makes sense. And it got turned down by Ballard, Pace, and DaCosta. DaCosta turns down everybody. Pace and Ballard were basically battling for the Bears' job. And I don't think there's a lot of shame in saying that the Bears' job is generally more covered than the Jets' job. The Bears are sure. the Bears. They're a prestige franchise. They have more in place than the Jets. Even though Cutler's a mess, you'd still probably rather have that problem to deal with than maybe not having yes. a quarterback at all. Yes. And, you know, and Joe, to too, I, I, I tweeted this. I'm sorry to interrupt. I tweeted this out today, but I sort of missed the fire Phil Emery billboards and, you know, the fire Phil Emery towels and the fire Phil Emery dot com, you know, and that makes a difference to a first time GM. What is Pace, like 37? Like he's a young guy. It's his first job. Do you think he wants to come to the Jets and come under the scrutiny that John Itzik just came under, that if you make two bad decisions, they're going to erect a billboard on Route 3 that says to fire you? Like, I would turn no, down it, that job, too. It's, it, it's, it, there's definitely some validity to that, because if you're Pace or you're Ballard, and you're talking to your family, and you're talking to people you trust in the league, and you, know, you have these two opportunities in front of you, you're going to look at the recent history, and Emery did not really do a great job the last few years for the Bears, you know, a comparably, quote-unquote, bad job to what Isaac did, and you didn't see a guy sitting five feet from him holding up a towel, fire you, and the whole publicity and everything. And people look at things like that because this is where they're going to live, this is where they're going to move their family. And, it's, you know, do I necessarily want to throw myself into this market and say, I might only have two years here if, you know, perception goes bad or, or things start kind of, the media kind of starts turning on me, never mind the other factors that would already be working against it with the Bears compared to the Jets. With the Bears just, you know, as, as an NFL organization, you're not going to find a lot of people who are going to say, yeah, you know, the Jets are a better run, more well-respected overall around organization than the Chicago Bears. It's just, it's not going to happen. So, you know, they have the two guys turning down, I don't really count the cost of an interview with anybody, but they still. Oh yeah, the cost the, de- the delicate genius, the cost Exactly. The delicate genius. Have- he can't be bothered to interview with anybody. What is Ozzy Newsom? I mean, come on, come on, guy. I think that guy. I'm. I'm telling you, I'm calling him out right now. I think he's a wimp. I really do. Go eventually make your own bones, gonna, man. Yeah. Eventually, he's gonna miss his. He's going to eventually miss his opportunity. I mean, eventually, like, you got to take a job, right? Tony Newsom's going to retire anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, I, I mean, come on, guy. Like, where's Ozzy Newsom going? Ozzy Newsom's going to live forever. He probably, DaCosta probably walks around the Ravens uh, camp saying, is this guy going to kick the, I mean, is this guy going to retire or what here? Please. You know, like, I, 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 I can't stand DaCosta. I can't. I don't, I hope they never call him again. And I hope he waits 15 years to get a job there because the delicate genius can't be bothered to interview with anybody. Sorry, had to get that out. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, it, it's been it's crazy how long it's kind of been going on with him. But, I mean, the Jets still, you know, they still completed, what, you know, five, six, seven GM interviews after they get through Robinson. So they've done their due diligence. They haven't rushed the search. I would guess, you know, they did the second interview. They're doing the second interview with Mac. They're going to interview Robinson. I wouldn't be surprised if another candidate got a second interview. And then, 
you know, hopefully pull the trigger, make a decision in the next five to seven days, and then see what happens with the head coach, which, you know, I'm sure is a whole different discussion. And we've heard all, all kinds of different things over the past, you know, 10 days where, where the tone and the direction of this search has apparently shifted a lot of different ways. But the GM decision I do think could come in the next, you know, I'm going to say five to seven days. I'd be surprised if at this time next week decision wasn't made. Well, Joe, let's talk about the head coach decision. Um, if if they do decide to go with McCagnan, how much is there to the McCagnan Marone ticket? And is, is it set in stone? I was going to rhyme. Um, is, is it? A, is it? I didn't mean to do that. Is it a lock that it's going to be Marone if it's McCagnan, or or is Quinn still the front runner that most people believe? I don't necessarily buy that just because Marone and Mac have, have worked together in the past that they're necessarily automatically paired up. I think a lot of people assume that Kirkner and yep. Quinn were paired up, paired up, and that turned out to not really be the case. I mean, we don't know exactly what happened, but it sounds like that Quinn really wasn't crazy about the thought of working with him or, you know, the Jets weren't just looking for this automatic duo to stick together. So I wouldn't automatically say, all right, well, if Matt gets the GM job, then it's a slam dunk for Marone. And, again, everyone was reporting Marone was a slam dunk as of, like, eight, nine days ago, which seemed a little premature. And the same thing kind of happened with Rex in Atlanta. Like, everyone said he was going to sign his contract on Wednesday. It's a done deal. He left without a contract. Now he's interviewing in Buffalo. Just like Marone interviewed here, left without a contract. He interviewed in Atlanta. Who's both of their agents? Jimmy Sexton is doing a good yeah. job getting out and making it sound like his clients are absolute slam dunks, have done deals, gives them more leverage in other places for other teams who might be interested in them. That's part of this whole process and kind of sorting, you know, through the muck of it. And the best, you know, grip of information that I could get over the last few days is that, A, no decision has been made yet on the Jets head coach. They're going to continue to kind of work through this GM process. Potentially, I could see Kubiak getting an interview if the Ravens get knocked out this weekend, but most signs do point to it sounding like Quinn is the favorite as of right now. I think he interviewed really well. He made a really strong impression, particularly on Woody, and I think now we're hearing the rumblings that he's trying to get Kyle Shanahan to be his offensive coordinator, and that, that's a stat that you could, I think, really kind of get excited about, and you, know, you get Shanahan in as your offensive coordinator. A lot of people are speculating who we can bring over from Seattle as defensive coordinator. And I'm trying to remember the reporter was even kind of – a Fox reporter was kind of insinuating that it was already a done deal with Quinn and the Jets. I don't think it's at that point yet. I, I wouldn't 100% write off Marone yet. I don't think it's going to happen. If I, if I had to bet my money now, though, it would be on Quinn, whereas five, six days ago it probably wouldn't have been on Marone. But it seems like the momentum seems to kind of be, well, hire our GM, you know, five, six, seven days – We'll get him set up. We'll get him going, and, and we're okay waiting it out. Maybe till February first for Quinn, depending on what happens with Seattle's run. Well, Joe, like you like you had said before, they're definitely doing their due diligence here on both the general manager candidates and the coaching candidates. And I'll I'll speak for Steve because I think he feels the same way. I, it sounds like they're doing the right thing here. I think they've got all their oars in the water, and and they're trying to run these searches simultaneously. But you get a lot of you get a lot of criticism of the organization with the mere thought that they might hire a coach before they hire a general manager because it would, you know, automatically it's going to be right back to 
they're forcing a coach onto a general manager. Do you think the Jets are doing the right thing in this search? How do you feel about the way they've conducted this? I, I find it hard to really complain about it. I mean, they've interviewed just about every candidate that I think anyone would anticipate them or any team with a head coaching vacancy, you know, would. It's not like they've interviewed, they're not, not like they're approaching this like the Raiders, where they've interviewed like Pat Shermer and, uh, you know, Mangini. Not that I, you know, hate Mangini. It's kind of like a le- out of left field candidate. You look at some of the guys they interview, it's like, well, no one else is interviewing these guys with the Raiders. So do they know something that everybody else doesn't, or are they just the Raiders? Chances are they're probably just the Raiders. You know, the Jets are – Quinn's being interviewed elsewhere. Bowles is being interviewed elsewhere. Wright's being interviewed elsewhere. Marone got interviewed elsewhere. So Right. They, and we talked know, about – Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. I was just going to no, say – No, I said uh, they're not like – they're not pulling, you know, kind of random candidates. They, they, they're getting people with strong credentials in the building to interview. I just read this great article along those lines, Cal, um, and I think I sent it to you. Um, you know, it was a Chicago article. It was in the Chicago Tribune about the Bears search. And I know I keep harping on this. I've been harping on this for weeks on the show and stuff. But the, the parallels that exist between the Bears and the Jets uh, situations. Um, and I happen to have a, a huge Bears fan in my office who's a buddy of mine. And he's a really good sports fan. And he's a New York guy, but he grew up rooting for the Bears for whatever reason. He's a huge Mets fan. You know, he's a uh, – I think he's a Bulls fan. Um, but anyway, um, so we've been talking every day about the GM search and the coaching search. We've been talking about this for weeks, weeks on end. And he listens to Chicago sports radio like all day at work. Like I'm listening to the fan sometimes, um, not much anymore. And he's, you know, he's listening to Chicago sports talk radio. There was this article basically said, there's a reason that you have to, it basically illuminated everything that I've been talking about. And that is you have to do this search simultaneously other teams that have head coaching vacancies and a GM in place are not going to just be like, oh, okay, you guys good? Jets, you cool? Have you guys hired a GM yet? You guys are all good? Okay, we'll start our head coaching search now. Like it, they, you, they have to do them simultaneously. And if they came across a candidate as a head coach that blew them out away, why wouldn't you hire them? You're in competition with other teams. You have to. And the, and the, the point of this uh, – <laughs> thank you, Cal. The point of this is that now we're like a morning shock jock. <laughs> the, point of, the point of this article was essentially that if you go inside the numbers and you look, coaches don't get hired past January 15th. Nobody waits for the great coach. Nobody waits for them. Like I think like the latest a coach was hired out of the last 30 coaching candidates was after the divisional round. Like It wasn't even after the Super Bowl. It's like the best coaches don't you, – you, you have to do this search at the same time. And I think they're doing that. You know, And I think that's one of the reasons that Quinn uh, had to be interviewed. He was a finalist for the Vikings job. He didn't get it because they went to the Super Bowl. You know, And the Vikings kind of bowed out and hired the sec- their second choice because they didn't want to wait. Joe, do you think that they should change that? We were talking about this today. Do you think they should change that rule? That you can't hire yeah, I mean, a head coach, it just, it feels head like coach until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, because you, you know you get that one interview in like right before the wild card round, but it really feels like such a disadvantage for these guys. I really don't think there's any way Quinn doesn't get a job last year if Seattle doesn't win the Super Bowl. So he had to yeah. you know basically wait an extra year, and I, you know I think he probably gets the job this year despite potentially another trip to the Super Bowl. But yeah, it, I don't know how you tweak the schedule around or how you make it work, but it does seem like an unfair 
disadvantage for a lot of these coordinators who are still in the mix for potential head coaching jobs with the Jets and elsewhere. I think, you know, McDaniels is a serious candidate in Atlanta. You know, I think Kubiak is not just on the Jets' radar. He's probably on a couple other teams' radars as well. Yeah. And, you know, these guys kind of have to wait it out and, you know, see what happens. Right. And it's a disadvantage. It's a disadvantage for a team in the Jets or the Bears situation right now where you're hiring both a general manager and a head coach. It's a huge disadvantage because, I mean, it's your own doing because you effed up in the first place. But <laughs> with your first hiring. But we were talking about this today. Like, just make it that you can't hire a head coach. You can't fill a head coaching vacancy until after the Super Bowl. And then everybody's on the same page. And my buddy said, well, you know, but then you're talking about, you know, a couple of weeks where it's advantageous for the head coach to get in there and get his program in. The draft is not until April. You can hire a GM anytime. They can leave anytime they want. It has nothing to do with, you know, their team's um, run in the, in the playoffs or whatever. So it's just the assistant coaches that can't be hired. Or, my buddy suggested, do a letter of intent. You know, do it like college, where the coach can sign a letter of intent. And that's it. He's done. He's got the job. He signed a letter of intent to be the, like Quinn. Could sign it this weekend. And he's done. He doesn't have to interview again. He doesn't have to go through the hoops. The Jets know they have him as their head coach once the season is over. Why Why wouldn't they do something like that? It's a huge disadvantage for the best coaches. I, I agree. It already feels like, you know, for a guy like Quinn, he's already kind of shuffling to start getting that staff in place. You know, we're hearing the yep. rumors that he's, he's going to tap Kyle Shanahan, who's already bowed out of Cleveland to be his offensive coordinator. And you would have to think guys like that have in mind, you know, I want this guy to be my special teams guy. I'm going to bring this guy to coach my quarterbacks. And at least he went through this process last year. So he probably has a handful of guys to fill out his coaching staff in mind. And then hopefully, you know, the GM has been in place for a couple of weeks and they can kind of hit the ground running. But if you feel strongly that he's your candidate, you're going to wait the extra 14, 15 days and you're going to hire him. And again, the Jets are very, very, very sensitive to public perception and how things are perceived and how things look. And while I do think Quinn's the best candidate and he's the guy, you know, I'm rooting for, you know, I have to think that, you know, when a lot of this Marone stuff got out there, there was a pretty big general negative reaction, not even the ridiculous nonsense that we saw in the Daily News, but generally right. you didn't hear a lot of fans or a lot of people, like, really excited about it. And I, I wonder if the Jets see it. You know, I think it's easier to sell the defensive coordinator from the team who just won the Super Bowl two years in a row who's considered a hot coaching candidate by everybody. And, you know, bringing over, like, a very well-respected young offensive coordinator with a great last name, you know, who's had some success in yep. recent years, is that easier to sell and pitch than a guy who was 15 and 17 for Buffalo last over the last two years? And, again, I think Marone's an okay candidate. I don't think he was someone to go crazy about or someone yep. to freak out about. I think he was kind of a middle-of-the-road guy, has some experience. But I, I would think that almost Quinn – you know, as silly as it sounds as a D coordinator, is kind of a better kind of sell and there'll be better perception and momentum behind that kind of hire potentially. Yeah. Now, uh, so I know we only have a couple minutes left with you, Joe. There's two things Cal and I want to do um, or two things we want to talk about. The first is on your site, and this is, of course, related to the GM coaching search, but specifically to the coaching search. 
on your site, turnonthejets.com. Um, there has been you, – you've really raised uh, the, the amount of debate. It's, it's amazing what the, what the off-season does. Like you would post a post-game article and you'd have like 15 comments. Then you post something about Dan, Dan Quinn and you have like 67 comments. You know, like it's amazing what people will take the time to comment about. And I'm not even – I'm taking that guy Joe who apparently is Rex Ryan's agent out of the equation. But just the com- – there's been so much conversation on your site. The big debate on your site has been with Dan Quinn as the leading candidate – the hiring of a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator as head coach. So I, I, I was hoping you could speak to that for a second because you have maintained all along that it doesn't matter. Just get me the best coach. I don't care what side of the ball he focuses on. It doesn't matter. And I agree with you. I think Cal agrees with you. In fact, I know he does. I'm going to speak for you now, buddy. Um, so tell but there's a lot of people that do care about that passionately. Tell me why that doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I just it's silly to pass over a guy who is more qualified to be a head coach, which is a very unique job in itself, and punish somebody who just comes from a defensive background. It's not it just, okay, this is a guy with a defensive background. This is going to be a defensive-centric team like it was under Rex Ryan, like why are we going to continue doing this? You look around the league, Don Harbaugh was a special teams coach. Are the Ravens, are the Ravens in the playoffs every year because of their, just their special teams? No, they have a, a quarterback who won a Super Bowl and is one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. You know, Bill Belichick gave him a defensive background. He, he's winning with Tom Brady like he has for the past decade. And There's tons of examples all over the league where offenses are having success with defensive-minded coaches. The Cardinals were good this year on the backs of their defense. Bruce Arians is an offensive coach. Um, You hire the best candidate. You hire the guy who's going to build the best staff, who's going to delegate the best to his coaches, who's going to manage a game the best on game day. It's a very different job from being a coordinator to being a head coach. and Someone who can get the right people in place, teach what he needs to teach, delegate what he needs to delegate, and build a balanced team, not a defensive first team or an offensive first team, a balanced team that could win in all three phases of the game, that has an offense that could pick up a defense, a defense that could pick up an offense, and a special team that could maybe steal a game for two or two for you because you know your other units are struggling. So that needs to be the driving decision, not just we're going to ax off five candidates because they're defensive coordinators. You know, if the Jets may end up having a much better offense because they bring a guy like Quinn in. He brings Shanahan with him. Now you have a, a nice, solid young offensive coordinator in place that maybe if you ignore Quinn entirely, you just hired an offensive-minded coach, so you hired Marone. Your offense ends up being worse than it would have been anyway because who knows what coordinator he's going to bring with him. Is he going to bring Hackett with him from Buffalo? Would you no. have Hackett or Shanahan calling your offense <laughs> next year? So it's just hire the best candidate. It doesn't have to be an overly, like, complicated thing. You just can't cut off all defensive candidates because of what happened with Rex. Well, I heard word today that when Rex interviewed in Atlanta, he seems to be uh, leaning towards bringing Trestman in as his offensive coordinator. What? How would that have gone here if the Jets would have kept Rex and brought Trestman in as the coordinator? I mean, there would have been a, 
a popular move. I mean, Tressman's generally well thought of as a guy who can work with quarterbacks, but, you know, is Rex going to be able to close that hire? I mean, Tressman's obviously in demand. He's already getting talked about in Cleveland. Uh, there's an opening. I'm trying to – there's been talk about him in Jacksonville. I mean, he's going to be a pretty hot commodity, but that would easily be the best hire that Rex has done offensively, better than keeping Schottenheimer, <laughs> better than Sperano, <laughs> better than Morningway. Yeah. So I mean, we had, we had such high hopes, though, for Morningway. We really did. I'm really I'm, – I, I got to be honest. I'm very disappointed in Marty Morningway. I really am. I yeah, really – I, I expected more from him. Yeah, yep. I really expected more from him. fine in year one. And then, yeah. and then the, you know, <laughs> the play calling was dubious, the, the adjustments and, and whatnot. The the fact that he he went to a kitty handbook again with, with Gino. I think I just made up a term. I don't think that's a real thing. Um but you know, it really disappointing in Marty Morning way. Um, but I, I, I totally agree with you, Joe. And and it's it's important for sane, rational Jet fans. And that's not to say that you know a guy like Cash isn't. He is. You know, I understand where Cash posts from and what he does on your site. Um, he's you know those those kind of people in the dialogue are valued members of the discourse for sure. You know, because he's always like point counterpoint. Like you make the point, he's always the counterpoint. Um, but uh, but his point of well the defense is our strength it makes no sense to bring in a defensive coach the offense is terrible and weak and has been for years you must bring in an offensive coach just doesn't ring true to me it's about being a complete coach and Woody Johnson took the shot at Rex if there was one shot he took at Rex during the press conference it was that it was we're looking for a complete coach a complete coach somebody who coaches all phases. A manager. That's it. That's yeah. it. I, I'm, I'm, so this is, I know we only have like two minutes left, Joe. Um, but I want to ask you, here was the other thing I wanted to ask. Your gut, you've been very much on the, uh, I, I love using the ticket. It's so much like a campaign. Like, <laughs> you know, on these, like these different tickets for GM and coach. Don't forget about what you think is going to happen. Tell me what you want to happen right now. Now, here we are on January 8th. We've been in this for, you know, 10 days or whatever. Tell me what you want to happen. I, from the start, I, I said I'd like to – I think Quinn's a top candidate. In a perfect world, if the Jets hire Quinn and he brings Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, I think that's a coaching staff to be really, really excited about. I think out of the GM candidates, I don't feel there's a – enough of a difference between all of them to get really mad or really upset about any of them. I'll be content with Mac. Robinson has a very intriguing resume. Let's see how he does in his interview. But yeah. any of these guys who are in the final three or four all have strong enough resumes to say, all right, this guy deserves a reasonable chance here. And if the Jets get quit in Shanahan, I think as a Jet fan, you should say, hey, you know, we got the guy who most people consider was the top available you know, coaching target this offseason – and we got a very well-respected offensive coordinator, something we desperately need. So that's a staff to be happy and excited about, and that, that's kind of what I'm pulling for at this point. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree, and I, I think I'm on the same page as you. I, You know, Cal, you were teasing me a little bit because my, my ticket sort of changed a little bit, but it hasn't changed much. I think my second guy has changed a lot. I've sort of been in on Quinn uh, for most of it. I liked Frank Reich a lot. I thought Frank Reich, I, me and Dobbin, I guess, uh, I, uh, as a very intriguing candidate, just because of what he's been able to do with Frank, uh, with uh, Philip Rivers, and also, you know, the Jets are going to have Geno Smith on the team next year. <laughs> you know, I kind of want somebody who 
has a track record of working with a quarterback. Now that's, you know, Kyle Shanahan worked with, you know, uh, RG3 and had success with him early on. So I'd be all in favor of that as well. But um, I, 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 you know, I think I'm the same way with the GM candidates. They all have strong personnel backgrounds. And that was the big failing the last time. You know, so Cal, doesn't it, does it seem like Woody's learned his lesson at least a little bit? Well, it, it seems like he's learned his lesson just based on the candidates that he's brought in. He's really, he's really brought in, they've interviewed a lot of really good candidates. Yeah. You know, it's not like they've, like whoever they wind up hiring, like Joe said, for general manager, you can't really have too much of a problem with. Coaches, even the coaching candidates they've brought in. Oh, they're all they've, solid. They've all been solid. So that's my question to both of you guys. This is my last question for Joe. If we have to settle as Jet fans, you know, we, we, I think we all want Quinn. We would love that. And, and the general manager, you take your pick. But if, let's say, we don't get Quinn, what's the, what's the worst that could happen as a Jet fan? Like, who, who would they hire that, would, that you, realistically, that would be like, huh, that's the best they could do? And, and, and would we be disappointed by it? We might be disappointed, but would it be devastating? I don't think it would be, right? I don't know who it would be. But. Is there a devastating guy out there? I don't think there's a devastating guy in the mix. I think the two guys who would be the least popular overall at the fans would either be Marone or Kubiak, although neither of those guys are terrible candidates. You know, they have resumes no, that they're not. They have head coaching experience. They have resumes that are comparable to the other people they're interviewing a head coach. They're not maybe as flashy or as exciting candidates, but they're not terrible candidates. They're, they're solid decent candidates that are capable of coaching an NFL team and have had success at times. So there's not really a disaster. There's not like a, like a guy like, like a Jr. or something or like, yeah, like a Sperano or a Pat Shermer or something like that. There's not someone who's going to, I think it'd be a complete disaster, you know, right from the get go everyone being like, Oh my God, why'd they hire this guy? This Tom Cable. We're kind of ahead of the game then. Isn't Tom Cable the disaster candidate? And he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be, because if you actually look at his resume, it's not that bad. But I think name recognition-wise, perception-wise, yeah, yeah, perception-wise, Cable would be, the, would be the worst because of the Raiders' disaster. And, but he went 8-8 eight and eight with the Raiders. I mean, he like went 8-8 eight 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 with the team. That's yeah. like winning 24 games <laughs> in, like real, in like the conversion chart. If you had the NFL conversion chart... Winning eight games with that Raiders team is like 24 other wins for like a regular team. Um, Joe, we're going to let you go. You've been uh, unbelievably gracious. The wedding is May. Is that correct? Because last time we talked to you, we didn't have a date. Memorial, you know, Memorial Day on. weekend. On the clock. I, oh, look at you. Where is it on now? It's, uh, it's in a tarry town, actually, up in oh, Westchester. Oh. All right. Very good. So you're so you're you're Joe Caparoso of the Tarrytown Caparosos. Very good. Exactly. That'll be nice. Right, right, right over the Tappan Zee. Right over the Tappan Zee. Nice. So you feel like you're falling in the water when you're driving over that. Exactly. Um, well, <laughs> the bridge stays in well that's right, uh, buddy. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks when we hire somebody. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, who do you like in the in the games this weekend? Who do you like? Who do you like? Who do you like? Quick, 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 quick. I'll be rooting for Baltimore, but, man, I, I do think uh, it's going to be uh, New England, Seattle. Dan, I think it's, I'm, pick, I'm picking all the favorites this week. I don't think there's going to be any big upsets. I know that's, that's a, there's always one upset, but I just none of them jump off the page. Maybe Dallas. I can see Dallas upsetting Green Bay. You're going chalk. You're going chalk. Okay. Yeah. Chalk right. or Dallas like- upsetting Green Bay. That's my upset pick. 
You like France after? God, I'll be rooting hard for Baltimore. I think we all will be. I think we all will. Yeah, I think think that's a pretty popular sentiment in these parts. Joe, thank you so much, brother. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Joe. Joe. Such a, it's such a refreshing change to not have a devastating candidate. It really because, is. Because as a Jet fan, it's always like, oh, well, you know, the Jets, the Jets just brought in uh, you know, Jerry Glanville. For, right. They're, they're going to hire <laughs> him. Glanville. I, 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 I would love that. Can we, <laughs> I would love that. Jerry oh, tell me you wouldn't be on board after Rex. Now, like Jerry Glanville today, but the only guy who could top Rex is Jerry Glanville. I mean, Jerry Glanville was Rex before there was Rex. Yeah, that's true. That's He's true. leaving seats for Jim Morrison and Elvis at the game. Are you kidding? You know what? Back in the day, I kind of always secretly wanted Jerry Glanville to coach the Jets. Yeah, to coach the Jets. And then we got him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> His name was Rex. He just wasn't a Texan. He's from Oklahoma. Hey, listen, we have another call. Okay. And I want to – we're going to continue to talk to Jets. I do want to talk Islanders. We do want to talk about the um, the Giants uh, also looking for a, a defensive coordinator. Three days after they tell Perry Fuel, hey, buddy, you're all good. <laughs> two big thumbs Two big thumbs up. <laughs> put, put the extension on, Perry. You're not going anywhere. You should put in a pool. Put in the pool. Do it. You know, you're renting, right? You're <laughs> They uh, they let Perry Fuel go, which uh, our buddy McWalters, the big uh, the biggest Giant fan that there is, was ecstatic about a late Christmas present. He emailed me. He's a lot ecstatic. of Giant fans does not like Perry Fuel. Oh, ecstatic! Well, he only won a Super Bowl. It's all right. He only, be, he only beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. It's okay. Forget that. You know what was the interesting thing? I was talking to another Giant fan buddy of mine, uh, my buddy Jess, who's been on the show before. Yeah, you know Jess. He's a good Giant fan. Very solid. He. We were talking about the firing of Fuel, and I said, Perry Fuel, uh, you know, got fired or whatever. And he goes, yeah, well, I mean, he lost his top three corners, like a lot of injuries, you know. He lost his top three guys in the secondary. I was like, yeah, so did the Jets. <laughs> that didn't seem to, to save John Itzik. That didn't seem to be an excuse for John Itzik or Rex Ryan. So, like, Perry Fuel's defense was an abject disaster, even though he lost his three, first three corners. Rex needed to be brought back because he had no corners. So I thought that was an interesting little uh, little uh, irony there. Mm-hmm. I, irony is probably not the right word. I want to bring this guy in. His name is Hans. Um, he's a he's a a crazy Twitter guy. He's he's all over Twitter. He's a huge oh boy. I had no idea we had music for him. This is a producer, Cal. This is what a producer does. The producer we haven't even brought in tonight. That's yet. correct. Who has yet to speak on the program. It's good. Keep it that way. This guy is um, a huge Jet fan. Uh, he, he's he been on a bunch of the Jet shows. He's been on, you know, with Turn on the Jets. He's been on with the Jet Nation show and stuff. And he and I have been talking, and he really is thinking about doing his own podcast. Nice. For the Jets. So I, I said, why don't you come on 10 minutes? We'll talk about the Jets. Um, he's, he's got great tweets. Uh, so let's bring him in. I think he wants to talk about Manesh which I have no problem talking about. <laughs> Hans, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Uh, we are, we're doing off, great tonight. Um, uh, first off, um, Bill Parcells, Bill Cower, Tom Landry, all defensive coaches, 
all got all became head coaches, all led successful programs. Screw the narrative that you can only hire an offensive head coach. See, right away, I like this guy. He said, screw I, I like, the narrative. That's right. I, he comes out guns motto. He comes out guns a-blazing. I love it. Um, Hans, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for coming on and taking a couple minutes. Nice to meet you, officially. We've been tweeting back and forth at each other for years. Um, and um, Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think you heard Joe, uh, you know, and we were talking about the head coaching search and the GM search. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you right off the bat, uh, with the news tonight, uh, and we were talking to Joe about this, that uh, both Dan, both uh, that Dan Quinn uh, seems to be the leader in the clubhouse from reliable sources, not those Jason Cole type people. Um, uh, that <laughs> the, <laughs> seems to be the leader in the clubhouse right now for the head coaching job, and uh, you know, uh, Mac, <laughs> Mac, we're just calling him Mac, um, seems to be the leader for the GM job. Are you happy with this? Where do you, where are you with this? Well, as far as Jason Cole, that's a whole nother story. But uh, as far as uh, as uh, Dan Quinn is concerned, um, I've been behind him as a candidate for quite a while, quite a long time now. Uh, I mean, we've all seen the results that he's been getting with Seattle, and uh, we've I'm, we've all read the same articles about how he adjusts his defense to fit his players. He's not this yeah. kind of guy that's like a Perry Fuel that jam square pegs into round holes and honestly that's that's a good reason why perry fuel was fired he he, re, he really didn't use his personnel that well in my opinion but um anyway off topic um all right but yeah he he's he's the kind of person that he's a, he's a leader and and honestly that's what we need first we need a leader and given that he's one of the hottest commodities and the fact that we can actually draw him here for an interview that's that's a, a real good positive in my opinion, and the second one, uh, uh, I I forget his I forget what his first name is, but his uh, last name is actually uh, pronounced McCagnan, I believe uh, that's what I got from Dom Cosentino uh, from yep. our buddy Dom. Yeah. Yes, good people, good people. That yeah, time. he yes, yes. Um, I I read the uh, same article you guys did earlier about how. Uh, Ron Wolf actually spearheaded that, which is actually a smart move because I feel that if Cassidy let it, there would be a little bit of a conflict of interest, a little bit of a double standard. So the fact that he led this interview and he walked away impressed with this guy, you're talking about a guy who is actually one of the finalists for the Hall of Fame in Ron Wolf. If he's comfortable with him, then I am very comfortable with him. Do you think that uh, – so the, the search is going on. I think – and Joe alluded to this and Cal uh, said it too, that you know he, he thinks we'll have a GM in the next couple of days. This search has been crazy though, Hans. You know, we've been keeping up with it on Twitter. You've seen uh, Manesh Mehta. We talked a little bit about Manesh last week. Uh, we've talked about him quite a bit on this show uh, over the five years we've been doing it. Um, you know – can you really remember – look, all these reporters are going to bring narratives to the table. They all want to sell papers or do whatever they're going to do. But it was really personal. It was really oddly personal. And I had said it last week with Manesh Mehta and Doug Marone that he's concerned about access, right? So this is about if Doug Marone gets the job, Manesh has no access. And to see him get called out out on that was kind of cool, I thought. Yeah, and I I really thought that was hilarious. And when I saw it going across on Twitter, I was like, 
oh my god, I gotta I gotta get this audio immediately. And and from the moment that Michael K and company started laying into him, and he started backtracking so fast, I just I couldn't stop laughing because he was finally getting what he deserved. And then of course, aside from that, you had Brian Costello. Um, Calling out, yeah. Subtly taking a shot up. Totally took a shot at him, which I, I thought was great. And it honest it honestly makes me wonder how people feel being around him in the press room. You know what I'm saying? Right. So Yeah, I mean we've we we we've, we've seen this before with Minesh. I mean we've seen this for years with Minesh. Huh? The the Jets totally. have a very the Jets have a very unique situation. And we've had you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you know, Hans, we've, we've had uh, Dom on, we've had Crystal Presti on, we've had a bunch of guys that, that are beat reporters for the Jets that, you know, would never throw uh, or didn't throw colleagues under the bus, but talked about the idea that you can tell that certain guys have certain agendas or certain things going on or looking for a national gig or, you know, trying to create a story. But it's all about sources, right? It's all about whose sources we believe, you know, Christian Dyer or, you know, whose sources we believe. And we, as Jet fans and as sports fans, consume this media. So I ask you, who do you consume? Who do you like? Who who of the, the Jet Beat guys are you, you know, you mentioned Dom. Um, who do you trust? <laughs> well, Dom, Dom is one of them. Uh, I've actually uh, talked a lot with Christian Dyer recently. Uh, he and I had a little bit of a dialogue uh, about a couple of days ago. Uh, Chris Lepresti is also someone I, I talk a good amount of time with. Uh, let's see. I know there's a couple others off the top of my head, and they're just not coming to me right now. Um, I, I do also talk occasionally with uh, Daryl Slater and um, – I think that's about it. Any any yeah, of those guys, I mean, if I if I ever see anything in their articles, like if if I happen to see see like a, a minor typo, I'll be like, hey, you you guys missed something, and I want you to look good. <laughs> but you but you know what? These are the guys. These are the newer guys to the beat. These are not the old guard, Rich Saminis or even Manesh or. or even Costello, who's been on the beat for a long time. I would trust Rich before I trust Manish. Because well, I, Rich, think everybody I honestly will. do yeah. believe that Rich has more, yeah, he has more integrity than Manish does in his freaking pinky. Right, but, but, you, but you know, what's interesting about it is that these guys that, that you are talking about and the ones that you interact with, they're the ones that we interact with. They're the ones that don't have the narrative. There's nothing in it for them. They're not trying to push their that's thoughts what, on us, you know? And that's what's Dennis refreshing Wapnick about was it. the other one. Uh-huh. Oh yes, yes. Steve went at, went at him last week. A I didn't bit. go at him. I <laughs> I did not. You did, I, I did not. I was I I again Twitter. There's no context. It was a sarcastic tweet, and I immediately corrected it. I immediately corrected it. All right, so Hans, <laughs> I want to ask you. Uh, uh, I want to ask you now. You you are unbelievably active on Twitter, and it's pretty cool. And and I've gotten a lot out of your timeline and your retweets because there's a lot of people I just don't follow. I don't have a lot of time for it. So you're kind of like a um, you know like a Twitter hub for me. That if I see something that you've retweeted, like tonight with the the Houston uh, Chronicle writer, you know that you retweeted something from that, and and then I picked up on his timeline or whatever. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But I'm interested. I'm interested. How did you? How did you come to the Jets? I mean, I don't think you're in New York. No, I actually uh, grew up in the central New York area. I've never been to the city once in my life, though. Considering I've relocated to not not once, I, I I never had the money to do it. Central New York. So define define yes. Central New York. I I used to live right? forty five minutes. Nope, I used to live forty five minutes away from the geographical center of the state, which is around Syracuse and Utica. Oh boy! Wow, yeah. that is and we're learning something on this program tonight. I, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed that. Lived I thought here, all lived lived here my whole life. <laughs> the center of New York is Syracuse. How about All that? Right. So, yep. uh, and so, how how does one become a Jet fan? Well, um, my my father never watched any football, and my mother rooted for the Cowboys. And hey, everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> right. But um, anyway, uh, our old neighbors at the time were actually Jets fans, and I used to come over and watch watch some of the games, and that's how I got hooked. Oh, nice! So, so, so could, neighbors, neighbors that were Jet fans. Yeah, oh, I don't know if they were from New York or or anything like that, but uh, yeah. So your your Sunday games up there, would you get the Jets and Giants, or were were you getting the Bills up there? Most uh, more often than not, it would act. Uh, it would more often than not be the Bills, but uh, I'm sorry. Sometimes I would get yeah. It it comes with the territory. And it, 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 actually, it actually exact. literally does. <laughs> it actually literally comes with the territory that you're living in. Um, yeah. Well now well now I live in Pennsylvania, which is okay. uh, Eagles Steelers territory. So I've always had a kind of thing for the Eagles though, since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They don't bother me. The Eagles do not bother me at all. Yeah, they don't and really bother was, me either. That was pre Sanchez. They they just they I I don't know why maybe it's the green or whatever I don't know the the Eagles just never really bothered me. Mm-hmm. I never lived in yeah. I never lived in Philly of course that might change things. <laughs> right. Never had, yeah. I, I never had to deal with those people. Well, you're you're unbelievably passionate about the Jets though. Like you're crazy passionate about the Jets. Like how does when when does that like blossom? That actually blossomed when I was in college. It was okay. around uh, middle of 2007, 2008 is when it actually finally manifested. The Favre so, year. The Favre year. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the Favre year. That would do it for anybody. Um, do you uh, do you think that oh – boy, that year, that Favre year, my goodness. That happened. That's the thing that happened. It could, it you, could, could have, you could write a – it could, have been it, could have, it could have been amazing if only he hadn't gotten hurt. Yeah, yeah, and Mangini would still be our coach. The the yeah. amazing the, the amazing thing is like the Jets traded for Brett Favre, right? Sent Chad Pennington packing, played a whole season with Brett Favre as quarterback. Like that's the thing that happened, and it feels like eight hundred years ago because of Rex. I know. Good. I know. And they were, and they were nine yes. and seven. <laughs> and he got fired, was, and they were nine and seven. You know, I mean, that's a thing it, that happened, and it feels that like that was that was Tannenbaum's biggest mistake. Tannenbaum's biggest mistake yeah. because yeah. Mangini would have made the playoffs just like Rex did. That was his team. It was his team. 
the 09 yeah, team with exactly. this team? Hey, no, Hans, give, give me your fa- Hans, give me your favorite all-time Jet. Who's your guy? Uh, oh, let's see. G- give me a give me a moment. Uh, you know, you know what? It 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 has to be Wayne Corbett. That's fair. Nice. Yeah, if you're well, you're a younger guy. You're younger than us old timers. If you come to the team, you know, in the aughts, in the early aughts or the late nineties or whatever, you know, Wayne Corbett's going to be your guy. He's going to be your guy. Yeah, he's definitely going to be one of your guys. Uh, and you, I'm, I'm I can't lie. I'm I can't wait for the day that Joe Klecko finally gets the recognition he deserves. I've just well, been talking of, about that on Twitter earlier. That's one of yeah. But see that it's nice to see a young guy knows the history. Knows the history. Keep up right? the history, exactly. That's good. I mean I don't know everything, but I've I've I'm I'm learning. So You know that Joe Klecko should be a Hall of Famer, so there you go. Yes you're, I you're do. Okay. Yes I do. Yeah. Yeah, the only guy to pick the <laughs> Make the Pro Bowl at all three defensive positions. Um, defensive tackle, defensive end, and nose tackle. Um, Hans, yep. we're going to let you go here in a couple minutes because we're going to move on, but I have two last questions for you real quick. Let's And okay. let's bang Shoot. these out. You're a huge fan. You know the team inside and out. You follow them religiously. Who do you want? Who do you want? Give me your give me your ticket. Give me your GM and your head coach ticket. Not, not who you think it's going to be. Same question I asked Joe. Who do you want? Well, you already know I'm 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 on the Quinn train. Okay. And um it it honestly for me it it comes between it comes between Mac and Robinson because simply because of their history. I wouldn't be disappointed with any of the GM candidates simply because of the background that all of them employ. Yeah. Do you think that the Robinson interview just as a side note and cal i wanted to ask you this question too because we haven't had a chance to talk about it do you think that the robinson interview was a request by one of the coaches because it came out of nowhere it really did come out of nowhere and i sort of thought like oh maybe dan quinn said to them you know you should talk to this guy like i met him at a at the combine last year and he's awesome you know it really didn't come out of nowhere it's a, it's a good point and something I haven't really thought of, to be perfectly honest. But given the circumstances that you've described, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we have had other GM candidates surface kind of like this, and yeah. those could be similar situations as well. So, Cal, what do you think? It, it, I mean, Robinson really came out of left field. Somebody's got to know him, right? Yeah, he's, he's got he's – got, I mean – Obviously, Cashley and Wolf, you know, no, and everything I've read about the guy. I mean, he was in the Patriots uh, front office for, you know, and scouting for 12 years, and he only went to the Bucks last May, so he wasn't even involved right. in their draft. And well, Cashley and Wolf, they know a lot of guys. I they mean, know they've everybody. Been around forever. They've they got their know contact. everybody. They got their hooks everywhere across <laughs> the league. They got like a hundred years combined experience between them. Somebody's got to know him. Somebody must have recommended him, and that's good. That's what we're looking for. We're looking mm-hmm. for qualified candidates. It doesn't matter where they come from. Exactly. Nope. Hans, yeah. Hans last question. Um, and, and thanks so much for calling in tonight, buddy. And, and we'll definitely talk to you down the road as this goes on. Um, do you own a Jets jersey? And if you do, what number is it? I do not own a Jets jersey. Oh, come on. You've <laughs> never been to the city? You Money. Have you, ever, have you ever been to a Jets game? 
that's going to change next year. Oh my goodness! Well, we have you have you seen them in training camp upstate? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Twice. Well done, Cal. There you go. <laughs> there it is. You, uh, okay, you got one. Thank on you for bailing me out. <laughs> we got to we got to get you to a game next year, buddy. We got to. We we just got to make it out. We'll yeah. put it together. Return on the Jets. We'll just we'll get Joe Cap down there. We we got to get you to a game next year, man. Uh, Hans, thanks so much for the time, brother. We'll definitely talk to you soon down the line. Keep up the great work on Twitter. It's great because you you are as I said, you're like a jet hub. And so, like, if I've been out of it for like a day or two, I check your timeline because because <laughs> any any jet news that's gonna have happened, you will have tweeted it or been on top of it. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, Be thanks good. guys. I really I, I really do appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful day. Okay. Thanks. You too, Hans. All right. Good kid. Yeah. It's a good kid. He really is a Twitter hub for me. He's got a new follower right now. Yeah, he's Callie's great. Yeah. You know where I picked up on him? So I, I tweet sometimes with Rob Carpenter, the ex-NFL uh, player who played for the Jets, wide receiver, who went to Syracuse. Right, and, and Rob's a very proficient tweeter. He's great. I, w- I would love to get him on the show. I really would. Um, just that, why don't you just ask him? I could. I was at a game where he caught a touchdown uh, for the Jets. Well, um, and he would, he would interact with Rob, and he just seemed to be like a hub. Like, that's the best way you can describe him. So, like, you know this, Cal. You do this sometimes, too. Like, I'll be off Twitter for, like, two days, you know, or, like, this past weekend. I was away for the weekend, not checking my Twitter feed, like, on purpose, like, I'm getting away. And then on Sunday night, like, I got to catch up. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got to know what's going on with the Jets. I look up other people's Twitter's feed, uh, Twitter feeds who I trust, like a Joe Cap And this kid, this Hans kid, because he retweets all the best stuff. And he hates Manesh. Hates and, you know, and you know something? Oh, he you know hates. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me add to that. And call back to the top of the show when you when you when you gave your little monologue. I don't mean, and I knew that was going to come out wrong. <laughs> your cute little, uh, your you little know, thing the, there. you know, your soapbox thing. Yeah, you, where you did your thing, your fun little speech, your little Oscar uh, moment, <laughs> your little Oscar clip. Yeah. No, no, that's what we're submitting for the Marconi, my buddy. That one, right. that's it. Um, you talk, you talk to Hans and he's enthusiastic and he's positive. And that's, what's nice about sports. Like you said, it doesn't have to be life or death. It doesn't always have to be negative. And so much of it is negative right now. So much of it to the point where I, we were, we were talking about the Islander game the other, the other night, right? Oh boy. And I was losing my mind. You want to do it? 26 and 12 team. <laughs> Should we get into it? Maybe we'll segue into that. But my my point and and my Marconi speech No, I'm just kidding. But it, it it's nice. You talk you talk to a guy like Hans and you talk to Joe Cap and these guys are enthusiastic and they're positive and they're fans and, and they're not woe is me and I can't believe that you're gonna kill me again and, and I feel bad when I fall into that from time to time because you lose perspective. And I think being around so, so much negativity, it's easy to lose perspective. And then you talk to these two guys that we talked to tonight, and it helps. It helps bring it back around that this is fun. You know, this, this is the escape. 
this is the stuff you shouldn't be negative about. There's so much other negative stuff going on in the world. This is where you go to get away from it. So it was re- it was really nice to have him call in, Hans. Yeah, I, I I thought it would be good. I had spoken to him on Twitter. I said, hey, you know, we're having Joe Cap on. Give us a, a shout, listen in for a bit, and then, you know, talk about what you want to talk about. And um, and you're totally right. That's exactly it, you know. And and for for him, it's very important. The Jets are very important. I never, oh. you know, I see him tweet about social issues and stuff like that, but the Jets are very important to him. But there's a way for it to be very important to exactly. you and not be so negative about and it. And not be sucking. Right. Like not sucking the life out of you. You know, you and I got into it the other night. I mean, we did, and I, I, I enjoyed it because... No, I didn't. Well, no, but, but well, I didn't enjoy the game. No, that's not what I'm... No, I, I didn't enjoy getting into it because I lost perspective for two hours. Right. And then I looked back at it, and what the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> if I posted the transcript of what we were talking about... And then put the Islanders' record along with the standings, right, like next to it, super, you know, split screen of what I was saying versus where they actually are. I'd, I'd look like an idiot. It's not that you I'd look, look like, like an idiot. I, I would look like the people I rail against that I hate, that drive me crazy. And it was just, I, I, I... Well, you got to a place, and I understand how you got to that place. I understand how you got there. I, I do, though. I didn't, I didn't, we should tell people what we're talking about. Even PJ, because PJ doesn't know what we're talking about. But, you know, the other night PJ watching him here. PJ's not even here. He's, PJ's on Route 9 getting a bagel. <laughs> like, he's not, he's, he's, <laughs> he's, o'clock at night. He's, he's, he's getting a pizza bagel. At the Route 9, at the Freehold Diner, which is a magnificent diner, by the way, Cal. I mean, it's an unbelievable diner. PJ has a... That's fun load. Done. Thank you. We're talking diners. Because there is nothing nothing finer than a diner. I love diners. I adore them. We're talking diners. PJ, prepare yourself. But we were watching this game, this Islander game, uh, on Tuesday night... And texting back and forth, and they're playing bare, uh, badly. They're playing very poorly. They played poorly uh, against a, a bad Edmonton team, and then the they're playing poor team in hockey. Right, and then they're playing poorly against Vancouver again. The same things are happening too. They're, they're, the passing is terrible. They can't get out of their own zone. Giveaways everywhere. It's just it's bad hockey to watch, and we've watched so much bad hockey. But they're tw- they were twenty six and eleven going into the game, with fifty three points before, you know, before the All Star break. They're third in the they're like sixth overall in the NHL in points. After all of this, if they win tomorrow night, they're going to be in first place. They're going to be in first place in the division alone, alone by themselves. But 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 what you were saying, Brian, was not lost on me. It's not lost on me. And you and the one thing you said that I completely agreed with, which was, I did this to myself because I knew this was a good team and I fell in love with this team. But they're they're they and you're right about this to an extent. They think they're better than they are because they got off to this great start and against the 
Oilers, they rolled their sticks, you know, they slid their sticks out on the ice and thought they'd win that game 4-1. to one. And then it, in Vancouver, it was almost as if they took for granted they would have a rebound performance, and they didn't. Or what happens is when you do that once, you, you invite bad habits that it's, right. hard, that it's hard to break. Right, and you, and, and you said it. You said, I built these expectations that were unrealistic for myself, and now they're not meeting them, and I'm pissed off. At myself. Exactly, at yourself for setting the expectation where you did. Well, it started with I was pissed off at them until I realized how stupid that was, and then I was pissed off at myself. All I wanted you to do was take a step back and realize they have 53 points. Well, yeah, it took two hours to take a step back. And And just to say, look, I'm disappointed in this performance tonight, too. I'm not surprised by it, but I'm disappointed in it, and I'm going to allow myself to still be disappointed because they're a good team. They are a good team. They have shown themselves to be a good team. Are they a championship caliber team? I don't know yet. Well, and that's the problem. I, I kind of bought into them being one because they've played so well. And the reason why I bought into that is because for the better part of the last 25 years with this team, the, like, like the lion's share, they've not 20, right. 25 years, it's been bad hockey. Yep. It's been unwatchable hockey. Yep. And we've gotten three months of fun Hockey, enjoyable stuff that we haven't had. Right, but you're not enjoying it anymore. No, but this no. This is my point: is that I I took this three month sample of 25 years and built it into something that. (laughs) Oh my God! If they lose two games, I'm going to lose all of that. It's going to be gone. Right. You got this feeling, and you're like, I need to keep this feeling. I suffered so long through this, and and again, that suffer. A hockey team. Well, say say it, but say it's it differently. Say, say it differently and say it correctly. This team has been bad for a long time. Right. You, and 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 you have been watching this team. To use the word suffer is a little ridiculous. It's not. It's not though. You're not. You're not using it in the sense of like you know Africa. Like you. you no, no, I was. That's what's ridiculous about it. That's, you know, I, 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 it takes on too much importance, right. and and the lesson that I'm <laughs> the lesson that I'm trying to learn at 40 years old now, right? right? As, a, as a grown man with two children, a mortgage, a house, a wife, right. responsibilities, out the yin yang. I am, uh, I'm trying to learn that it's not that important. Yeah, it's okay. And and more importantly. To focus on the good stuff, and if the and if there is bad stuff, eh, you, you let it you let it roll off. Yeah. But if there's good stuff, that's really good stuff. Yeah. And it makes you happy, and that's what you got. That's what you have to focus on. That's what yeah. I have to focus on. Right. Yeah, and I and and I think it takes getting pissed off at a twenty six and twelve team. <laughs> right. To to sort of realize that to like sort of. Take a step back and be like, "Holy crap! They have fifty-three points. What am I doing?" And you know, and and it's just it's it's they played two years, bad games in a row. It's really going to be okay. It's years of of following disappointing teams yeah. that have sort have that have sort of uh, what's the word? It's it's come to a head. It's actually it's come to a head the last year or so around these parts as a Mets fan. As a Jets fan, 
is kind of a Knicks fan. Right. But the the the, the Mets are really ruinous here. I mean, we yeah. should we should mention how ruinous the Mets are for your Islander watching. Well, but that's, really that's, that's my whole point is is you add all of that. I mean, we just we just went through a season with the Jets uh, that was that was, you know, negativity incorporated. Right. <laughs> that's the worst soul soul asylum song ever. That was the rejected version. That was the, that was, that was the working title. <laughs> Frustrated Incorporated. You that know what? I think, it. Dave, listen, Mr. Perner, I think really we should change it. Because I, I think Frustrated Incorporated is much better because it rhymes. There's a rhyme thing. And it, and it flows. It's, it, it's, it's more flow. melodic. He is here. Better. He's back from the diner on Route 9. Works much better than Negativity Incorporated. <laughs> it does. Not good. The producer Negativity, Negativity <laughs> LLC. That was the follow-up. <laughs> Negativity LLC. Frustrated Incorporated. Yeah, this is the follow-up. <laughs> Negativity PC. It's a limited liability negativity. I love it. Um, yeah, but it's it. The, the Jets but, uh, yeah, were no, my, and the Mets are and the Mets are ruinous here. They're, they are really right, like and, and, I, I can envision a scenario, Cal, where we're in May and the Mets are like twenty six and twelve, and you're like pissed off, like watching a Met game. You use the twenty six and twelve. That's the magic I'm number. Twenty six and twelve. The Mets are twenty six and twelve in May somehow. Magically. They lose two games in a row. And they lose two games in a row, and they blow like a four-run lead in the seventh. Yeah, that's and, and And you're, that's it. You're disgusted. Let me ask you a question, and then, and then we can move on to other things. Because I don't right. want to monopolize the, All right, the so show here. You don't want to miss the monopoly of the show here? Do you, have a, <laughs> do you have a monocle? Do you have a top hat? I do say, sir. <laughs> well, well, well. I think, um, I think going forward, anytime you want to use monopolize, we need to use Mr. Monopoly. I don't want to just monopoly the topic here. Um, do you think a championship, a Met World Series win, a Jet Super Bowl, an Islander Stanley Cup, do you think any of those three things changes the overall outlook of sports for you? For me, personally. I'm starting with you, and then we'll get to me. But enough about me. We'll work inside out. How's my ass? <laughs> I want to like. <laughs> That's enough about me. How does my ass look in these jeans? Um, the uh, yes, yeah, it does. Absolutely, because I've not had one Would as like- an, as I've not had one as an adult. That's right. I've not had a championship as an adult. You haven't had a champion. You've had one since. Well. Well, yeah, no, I, I had the four Stanley Cups with the Islanders, and I have the Mets World Series in '86. That's it. That's all you got. Those so, are my those are my sentient championships. The ones because that I, I was aware of and I was watching, and the Islanders ones I was very young, but I was watching, and I was you know especially the fourth cup. By that time, I'm watching every game. Right. I'm aware of, but I haven't yet to have a championship as an adult. Because I look at the Yankee fan, I look at our Yankee fan friends. Because that's that's who I have to look at. I can't look at other Yankee fans. You can't know, even 20, look at them. 
25-year-old Yankee fans who don't know a team without Derek Jeter, and, and it's tough to listen to them. But we, we, we talk to our friends who are our age and who have gone through some bad times, yep. and have, they just seem much more at peace with sports. And I have to believe, yeah, it's you know, I have to believe it's because they've won recently, and it just it. it Look at the giant fan. Look at McWalters. It, it's he like goes, a he goes through a, a six and ten season, a seven and nine season. He's missed the playoffs five out of six years. It doesn't matter. He's fine. He's not happy about it, but he's fine. He's got right, two super. He's got two Super Bowls in the last seven years. Right. Like a Red Sox fan. The Red Sox finished last place two years ago. They lost like 101 games. <laughs> they, were, they were terrible. As didn't far even, as I could tell. Didn't even flinch. I just wonder. I, you know, I, and I, I, hope, I hope desperately that we'll experience it soon and, and, and see if it changes. You know? Until that time... I got to put the extra effort in to try to change it myself and just try to latch on to the good. I think there's something, though, very important here, Bri, with the idea that that came up for me the other night after our conversation. And that's enjoying watching the actual game. Like our conversation took me back to an idea of like watching a hockey game. Like, without all the, the, the pretext of where they are in the standings, this is them losing two in a row, this is, like, as we were watching it, I was thinking, is he enjoying watching this hockey game? Or is this Not prefun- that night I wasn't. Is this prefunctory? Like, is he watching this just to be disappointed? I don't know what that means. <laughs> I'm not sure I used it right, so it doesn't matter. But is this, is this, are you going through the motions? Are you just watching the game because you're supposed to watch the game? Or are you watching the game because you love hockey and you're watching a hockey game? On Tuesday night, I watched the game because I was supposed to watch the game. Yeah. Because I knew full well, going into it, that they were going to put up an effort like they did the night before. Because that's what they do. Right. They go into these stretches, and then they come out of it, and then they play well again. And it's fun to watch. And, and I my, look forward to the games. And my point is, for the first 20 or 25 games... Every game you were watching while we would be texting back and forth if we were watching at the same time, the few that we were able to do, you were enjoying watching hockey. I was looking I was looking forward to watch I before Sunday in Edmonton. Because I was a little worried about that one. <laughs> That's a great book, by the way. Sunday in Edmonton. <laughs> Sunday in Edmonton. Also, was that also uh, a Rick Springfield song? Was that a Mitch Album book also? It is a Mitch Album book. Sunday in Edmonton, Tuesdays with Maury, and that was his follow-up. Sundays in Edmonton. <laughs> it, it seemed the snow would never stop. It's either that or it's a Mitchum novel, like it's like a Robert Mitchum novel, like a you know Sundays in Edmonton, Sunday in Edmonton. It's like a nuclear crisis novel. <laughs> I don't know why. No, I, I think more about please. Wait, I think I lost you there for a second. Say that again. Whimsical. Sundays in Oh, you Edmonton. Okay, my bad. You see it as like a like a oh Sunday in Edmonton. La di da da da. Let's go skating. <laughs> the kids were skating in the park. 
Exactly. That's fair. That's it. I like the Mitch album. <laughs> Mitch album follow-up. <laughs> so, okay, so Sunday, the Edmonton game, that ruined everything. No, going in, going in, what I was going to say is there were maybe one or two games before Sunday that I didn't real. I watched it because I felt like I had to watch it. That's the point that I was trying to make. Right. You're not enjoying hockey. You're just watching because you're supposed to watch. Right. These last two games I watched it because I was supposed to watch it. Now, I'm looking forward to watching tomorrow night's game. As I can I. say that. Against the Devils. Yes. So, As am I. I expect a bounce back performance by our boys in blue and orange. And white. I would hope so. We have uh, two things to finish here that I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about. The Hall of Fame. Or as you called it, <laughs> Sanctimony <laughs> Mania. I love that. Um, what it felt like, right? I have, I have just two things to say. And then I, I want to get your take on everything. This year only one thing new bothered me. <laughs> and that was with Biggio getting in, people like Dave Damashek who, by the way, you know, really? Dave Damashek, really? Do you do you just thank Adam Carolla every night for your career? Like, come on, guy. Can you that, that, that whole... I can't even listen to him. I can't. You're doing an Adam Carolla impression. Stop. I don't know what his voice sounds like. Can't possibly sound exactly like Adam Carolla. Can't. But anyway... He got on this, you know, this Twitter rant or tangent about, oh, you know, the the all-time home run leader and this, you know, five-time Cy Young Award winner, uh, R&N, but some guy who's the 15th best second baseman of all time gets in. You know, or something like that. Like, dude, don't blame Craig Biggio. It's not his fault. It's not his right. fault that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not in the Hall of Fame. It's not his fault. He's not the reason. So don't don't you don't need to call him out. He's 21st all time in hits. Not for a second baseman, not for a middle infielder. He's 21st all time in hits. Do you know who's in the Hall of Fame? The 20 people in front of him that are eligible. Okay, so stop. Stop. Except Pebros. <laughs> well, the eight and, and Jeter, because he's been eligible. And Jeter. That, that's what I mean. The 20 people in front of him, the 18 people that the are 18, in front of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That are eligible. Do you know what else he is? That, he's fifth all time in doubles. Fifth all time. All time. But it gets better than that, right? But, but it gets better than that, better right? Than that. He's number one all time as a right-handed hitter in doubles. Number one. Number one in the history of baseball. He has the most doubles by a right-handed hitter in the history of baseball. He's only a 281 hitter. So what? Robin Yount was a 285 hitter. And he has more home runs than him. He has 293 home runs. He almost has 300 home runs. He was not a home run hitter. He played 20 years. Stop. Stop.
stop. It's not Craig Biggio's fault. It's not. It's not his fault. That's the I I I don't like it when the guys that get in. You have to feel like you have to discredit them. Yeah. Like, don't 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 rain on their parade. Yeah, it's it's not his fault that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens aren't in. It's not his fault. He didn't do it. He's a perfectly viable candidate for the Hall of Fame who got in on his third or fourth ballot. It's not like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Why doesn't anybody have a problem with Smoltz? Why isn't Damashek's tweet about Smoltz, who I think is fine as a first ballot Hall of Famer, I have no problem with it. One of the dominant pitchers of his era. Only pitcher in Major League Baseball history that has over 200 wins and 150 saves. What's wh- wh- Why are we doing this? Has the best postseason numbers in the history of baseball. Why are we doing this? It's so stupid, Cal. I can't take it. I can't take it. Just the, just the whole conversation about the Hall of Fame right now is, is turned into something that I can't be bothered with anymore, really. The whole thing. And they and, and you know, Oberman's point was like the baseball writers like somehow turned Mike Piazza into like a martyr. Like this this poor guy who keeps getting left out. Well, he should have been in already. It's stupid. Because there's no there's no what? I lost you there. Oh, we we seem to have Cal has cut out. Uh oh. I'm back. Oh, I think we're all back. Thank goodness. Yeah. We're okay. Very quick technical difficulty. We're okay. Yeah, it's 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 really all unbelievable. And and you pointed this out, Cal. I want you to uh, speak to this for a second. This idea of like, when did it become part and parcel? Like, here's my vote. Here's why. Here's six thousand words on why. Yeah. Just put in your vote. Let me just. I I want to say. Here's the thing. Because the writers get very defensive if you suggest that they're making it about themselves. Very defensive. If you are a sports writer, if you're a baseball writer, and you, you post a column, you, do, you, you list your Hall of Fame ballot, and then you do a column about it, and you explain it. And you put out a tweet, and you say, here's my Hall of Fame ballot, have at it. You're making it about yourself. Have at it. Give it your best shot. Like, you're making it about yourself. Yeah. Right? What was Shaughnessy doing the other day? Oh. Shaughnessy had a couple of comments the other day where it was like, he was, ta- he was like taunting everybody. Yeah, he didn't just say have at it. He was like, all you analytics, all you, you know, like he called out like seven groups. <laughs> and he was like, let's yeah. do this. Let's do this. Like, oh, wow, buddy, take it easy. Gee, let's do this. That was that was it. Let's do this. What are we, what are we doing exactly? <laughs> it's a, it's the Hall of Fame. Why? What, what are we? What are we, wait, what are we doing? Did, did he's like? I could picture him sitting there, like like he's like he's stretching. You know, he's got a <laughs> headband on. He's stretching. You know, cracking his knuckles. <laughs> Come on. Please. Seriously. He's in he's in tidy, you know, like tight gym shorts. Like the old got, school, you know, like seventies gym shorts. 
Yeah, but over track pants. Right. He looks like he's in like Royal Tenenbaums. Like he's just right. he's got the headband. He's got on. a tennis head a tennis headband specifically. <laughs> and Bjorn, gloves. Bjorn Borg headband on. He he's <laughs> definitely got uh fingerless gloves on. Right? And all he cracked the, his neck. All the better to uh tweet with. To tweet quickly with. He needs right. the fingerless gloves. Of course. Here it is. Sean. Honestly, took a confrontational attack with his ballot explanation, writing, bring on the hate, bring on the humiliation, bring on the blog boy outrage, bring on the analytic arrogance, bring on the PED hall. All pass. Yeah, it's about you, though. You're not making it about yourself. Got it. <laughs> the blog boy outrage. <laughs> I think it was Stacey Gatsoulias who said, uh, who's a uh, pretty good Yankee blogger, uh, real good Yankee blogger who we've had on the program in the past who said, uh, I think that's my new band name. <laughs> Blog Boy Outrage. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, ridiculous. And hopefully, hopefully Piazza gets in. And of course, we were laughing about the all-time, the greatest all-time, you know, troll would be Piazza getting in and wearing a Dodger hat. <laughs> he finally gets in. <laughs> And they make him wear a Dodger. Four hat. years, and then that that fans are going crazy about yeah. Right, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, ten thousand Met fans at his induction ceremony to look at the Dodger hat upon his head. 